important principles of nature show up in our lives and in business, make sure you stay tuned to this entire episode with Doreen as we look to explore the answer to this question and so many more during this amazing interview. You're here for another dose of climate positivity on the Green Business Impact Podcast. Here we highlight the amazing work of green businesses from around the world that are fighting against climate change. If you are ready to be inspired to take action, ready to hear some amazing examples of how we are working to fight the climate crisis, then stay tuned because this week's episode will be the perfect hit of climate positivity. I'm very excited to have Dream here on the call today. He's going to be talking to us about how we can use aspects of nature and apply them to business and how we can investigate planetary health and apply those principles to business as well. But how we can also use business to boost our planet's health all together. So Dream, let's zoom out together and start us off with one principle of nature and how it applies to business. And then we can explore others throughout our talk today. Really happy to be here. And I'm always happy to talk about these topics too. So I think the most important principle of nature is interdependence. So that means we depend on each other and not just on other people, but also on nature. And nature also depends on us to a degree. And I think in business and in personal life, sometimes that is forgotten. Stephen Covey wrote about it in The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People that many people strive to be independent. I want to be independent. I want to decide myself what I can do. And the direction is good, but you cannot achieve independence because if you live in a society, you need money. Where does that money come from? It is somebody that it's coming from. So you are always in dependence, okay? You're always dependent on somebody. So what he said is it is good to strive for a certain level of independence, but knowing that it's not possible to actually achieve it and rather focus on choosing interdependence, meaning giving and taking and not doing that from a sense of need. If you're dependent, you're needing it. But if you're acting from a state of interdependence, it's like I'm choosing to interact with you. I'm choosing to do business with you. I'm choosing to have you as my client. I'm choosing to offer this, which is on a spiritual level, of course, something completely different, but also on a psychological level, something completely different. Yeah, definitely. And I think that brings up a really valid point. And you mentioned that nature is interdependent on other species in the environment. They're interdependent on, we are interdependent on nature in so many aspects. We wouldn't be able to provide ourselves with food, with nutrients, with our nutrition without nature. That be completely impossible. So being able to realize that you are interdependent with other people, with the environment, with realizing how much we really depend on other things is is really important. And how would you say would a company go about or a person, an entrepreneur say, oh, I'm doing this business to be independent. How do you switch that mindset to realizing, oh, maybe it's not completely independent, but I need to be focused on like, how can I be interdependent on others as well? Yeah, I think the biggest shift is in mindset. There's a valid desire to want to be independent. And it is something that if you look at kids, they want to become more independent and teenagers even more so. And that's valid. That's fine. And I think that the problem is really that seeing it as a goal rather than a direction. So if it's a direction, it means I want to take more of my decisions myself. I want to decide 
what to eat and you know what kind of apartment to live in and what kind of job to do for example right rather than having the feeling that is dictated by circumstances or by someone and the same is true for the business if you have the feeling oh i only have one choice you're not going to feel independent as a business owner as an entrepreneur if you make decisions if you just notice that you have the choice that already shifts your mindset into not feeling dependent but feeling independent and free to a certain degree to do one thing rather than another. And there's always a choice. There's always a choice not to do it and do something entirely different or closing down the business. So it is not such a big change in the outside as well on the inside that we have to be aware of what is actually happening. Yeah, definitely. And I know that mentioned Stephen Covey's book earlier about the seven habits of highly effective people. And I've read that book and I think it's, it's a great book. And one of the things that he mentions in there is too, is like thinking about cooperation and how much further you can really get when you cooperate versus being competitive. He told a lots of stories about how sales organizations, where they transform them from competing to actually working all together to reach ultimate goal and they just demolish any of the competition setups and everything like that how do you see that playing out in nature maybe we can connect something from there and how do we see that playing out in business as well besides the sales organization i just mentioned yeah it's very i actually had a conversation with the client of mine about that recently and i think stephen covey uses that quote in the book too if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go together and it's so true because many of us who are competitive and who do things by themselves are like i can achieve more doing that and the response is you're faster but you cannot go further so if you want to go fast go ahead but if you want to play the long game you need to connect with others so i think if we look at nature you can see for example that annual plants grow fast to perennials but the day after a year or two and the life cycle is just different i was into growing i started being a bit more well connected to our balcony let's say i started off with succulents also because of the climate and everything and they were super slow growing and then i saw my neighbor and he grew two meter high tomato plants within a couple of months and my succulents would grow like this much but of course the lifespan is completely different i think we just need to know what we want and when i talk with entrepreneurs if you want to go alone that's fine just know that at some point you're going to hit a ceiling so keep that in mind keep in mind that at some point you probably need and want people to work with collaborate yeah definitely and sometimes you're not even trying it just ends up being that you start working together because it just makes perfect sense there's a whole study of research on different species and like the mutual relationships that they will have and you'll see that a lot of times it's just like they start working together not because oh i'm trying to benefit the other species or that species is trying to benefit me it's more of you have this relationship because of the whole fact that you have what i need they have and you have what they need and then it's just like you start doing things together because it just makes perfect sense like you can't make it work any other way so it's funny how that works out you might find that in business too where you're going along you realize hey this competitor we started working together <laughs> boom or hey there's this perfect this other person over here they're doing something in this industry that's completely different but if you guys work together you guys could go really far exactly. it's, it's a very interesting 
way about that. And I know you wrote an article about this online about efficiency and resiliency. So can we have both in business? Is that even possible? I'd love to dive more into that here. Yeah. It was really mind bending when I wrote that article because I had to deeply look into what both of those words mean and how I can understand them and apply them. When it comes to efficiency, let's just say we talk about cost and time efficiency. So using time and resources, other resources efficiently to get things done, right? If we look at the short term, that is completely contrary to what I call the second principle of nature, which is, or the third, which is redundance, right? If you want to be efficient, you remove redundancies, you streamline everything. And in the short term, it is not really compatible with resilience because resilience stands on redundance. If we let go of the short-term focus and look long-term, then we see that efficiency means being effective, being efficient in, in doing something over then a longer term, longer period of time. And because things are changing, change is the only constant there is. Because things are changing, we need redundance to do that efficiently some redundance to be able to adapt. We have to have some creativity, some adaptability along the way, because it's not the, the, the same thing we can do a whole decade. We have to adapt all the time. The environment changes, the market changes, the customer change. So actually, if we look at the longer term, maybe a decade or so, or even longer, then efficiency and resilience go hand in hand because we need resilience to be efficient and we need some redundance to be efficient. But if we look, just look at the year or a couple of months, then it looks like they're the complete opposite. Yeah, definitely. You have to think of what term you're really trying to go after. Are you talking about short-term? Are you talking about long-term? And I think the efficiency and resiliency question really comes into play like right now, especially as we might be going into a recession here, or if we are in a recession or whatever defines recession nowadays, we like hitting that stage. A lot of businesses are thinking about where's the market going? What's that going to look like in the future? So really understanding, okay, should we start cutting things? Should we start cutting those redundant things? But are they really redundant? I mean, it might be a really good question to ask. Is this a good redundancy or is this just a complete, you know, yeah. redundancy? So the thing with redundancy is it's, it's a word that has this negative connotation usually for most people. Oh, it's redundant. We don't need it. It's not exactly that. It's just that in this moment, it does not necessarily serve the, the biggest purpose but because everything is changing all the time it might be that we don't need it but it still has a function so i'll give you an example from my garden okay i have not right now in spring i had peas and beans they are both nitrogen fixers so they take nitrogen out of the air put it in the ground which is a nutrient for other plants and microorganisms etc because i have both and they grow in the same area i could say that one of them is redundant I don't need it, right? Because if it's gone, the other one still puts nitrogen into the ground. Fine. But what if suddenly there's one week of really strong wind, really strong sun and no water? The peas, or maybe two weeks, the peas will probably die. The beans will still be there. So I could have said the peas grow faster. Maybe I don't need the beans. I didn't know, but I could have foreseen or predicted that something might change. And that's why the redundance, the unnecessary redundance, we could say, in the end, saved me, saved my soil, saved the capacity of putting nutrients into the ground. So it's usually something that has a function, but we see it as, well, we have a better way of doing that already. So we're using it, but we don't really need it. But then what happens if 
for example, in business terms, I run a men's group. We have a Facebook group, we have an Instagram page, and we had a WhatsApp group. Now, all those three belong to the same corporation. So last week, we actually switched the WhatsApp group to Telegram. There were several reasons, but one of them is also who knows what will happen if, if Meta decides something, changes something, blows up. We still have Telegram. It's sometimes a bit hard to pinpoint it, but I think you can get the idea of having something that is serving a function, but is not necessary because you have another way that you use more to serve that same function. Yeah, definitely. But it still can come up. It still can, in the future, if something happens or if you were, like, say you're putting all your money into it ads for YouTube or you're doing all Facebook ads, like if something happens where the YouTube algorithm changes or the Facebook ad algorithm changes or whatever, and then you're suddenly your Facebook account gets blocked or they ban you from accessing your account for whatever reason. I'm, it's happened to a lot of people before for various reasons. If that happens, then it's okay. Now your primary way of collecting leads and getting leads into your business is shut down. What is that going to do to your business? So you really got to consider, okay, it might be redundant to have something on Facebook and something on YouTube or something like that, or you're distributing out to Google ads and things like that as well. But you also have to consider if something happens to your account in that one area, do you have some bit of redundancy so that you can still get leads into your business? Your business can still run even if that one stream of incoming leads just completely shuts down. So I think that's a really important thing as well. Like you were mentioning the piece, like the drought comes or the strong weather, the Facebook ad drought comes. You want to be prepared for that. You want to be prepared for something that could happen if you have that capacity and bandwidth in your business, of course. So I want to ask you a little bit about this. What if you're a small business, you're just starting out, you, you don't have the capacity for redundancy. You realize something is redundant in your business. What would you consider are like the choices that you should make in order to say, okay, we can cut this. We shouldn't cut this. So it might sound a bit contradictive, but I'm a fan of efficiency and streamlining things. I often ask myself, where do I get the majority of my business from, my money from? Where do I spend the majority of my time? Is it that or is it something else? If it's something else, change it. I think it is, it's just bit by bit up-leveling. So we have the 80-20 principle. 80% 80 of the income comes from 20% of the time or activity. So when we look at, okay, this 20% of time, I want to spend more on that. Okay. Let me make it my 80% of time or 90% of time. Okay. And then within that, I look again and I look again and I look again and I just continue going up and there will always be some variety and that is good. Yeah, definitely. I think that 80-20 rule is really that key, being able to assess and determine, okay, if I am spending time in these redundant, what appear to be redundant, which one is taking more of my time, which one is taking more of my resources and really comparing the two of those because you only have a limited amount of time. This is a availability may change in the future and may completely go away. You may get more. So you, you have to really depend on look at your time because that's always constant and, and be and able I, to use that. And I mean, it's important to, I, I said 80% or 90%, right? I didn't say a hundred percent because <laughs> I think there's always something that is, that will not be directly money related, income related, but that is still important in the long run. So networking, for example, I spend time networking and I don't get money for it, not directly at least, but it is something that I look at and there as well, I decide which kind of networking brings me the most. However, I define that. 
okay, let me focus on that. It's probably 20% of the networking I do that I get 80% of the value, be it connection level, emotional, business opportunities somewhere in the future. I focus on that, right? Yeah, I think it is good to, to use, for example, the 80-20 principle to make decisions. And then within the different areas that you engage in, that you use your time for, narrow down a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to talk a little bit about your business, Emerge to Prosper. And is the process of some of the things that we mentioned today about efficiency, resiliency, really being able to talk about how we apply principles of nature and apply that to business. Is that kind of what you take your clients through as you work with them? How does that kind of work for your business? Yeah, I do. So most of my clients are in some sort of a leadership position, be it in an organization, be it as an entrepreneur and I help them make important decisions. I help them with achieving more balance in their life, be it work-life balance or some other kind of balance, more well-being. And often it also has something to do with transitions, right? So I coach them to use their own wisdom. Name Emerge to Prosper is not my business name for nothing. I believe that the core of us has to emerge so that we can prosper, right? So that's what I support my clients in. And I do use the principles of nature in the conversations whenever it is fitting. For example, there's the principle cyclality, meaning that we go through different seasons in life and in a year and in a day, and that we can honor that. Most people don't honor it a lot, but we can, and it is good for us. It's actually, it's so interesting. There are a bunch of studies on the circadian rhythm, more or less 24-hour rhythm of like day and night. And there are different studies looking at different variables, health variables, and whether people follow their natural cycle or don't. Doing shift work, for example, working nights or whatever it is. And consistently, they show if you live according to the rhythm, which from person to person might be a bit different, but generally it is being awake during the day, sleeping at night. And then it, there are some more details. But in general, those that don't follow that are sick compared to the ones that follow. That's on a physical level, that's on an emotional level, it's on an energy level. So it's, it's super, super interesting to know that it's not just something that we observe, okay, the seasons of the year and, and day and night. It is directly related, not just to how awake we feel, but also to how healthy we are if we follow it or if we rebel against it. Yeah, definitely. That's great. And I think the topic of circadian rhythms is so interesting, how much our bodies really depend on that circadian rhythm and what you can use to trigger circadian rhythms and make sure that everything is in sync and going a long line. And it, it's super interesting because it, it also prepares the way you act throughout the day, because there's not only your circadian rhythm of the 24 hour, about 24 hour cycle, but there's also the intraradian rhythms. So like those 90 minute cycles that we have through, throughout the day. And then you have seasonal rhythms for women. You have the monthly cycle for men. There's also a, a cycle as well that we go through in terms of month, in terms of seasons. So we think of ourselves as like very, oh, I'm this way and I've always been this way and I always will be this way. But it's like we go through rhythms even throughout the day, throughout our energy levels and all sorts of stuff. So it's always very interesting to try to tap into those things or understand what's going on with our body to, like you said, be able to understand where we are so we can emerge, get that core part of ourselves so that we can prosper. And I think that that's mm -hmm. 
really huge. Just to add to that, in large parts of the world where there are more differences between summer and winter, there is the seasonal affective disorder or winter depression. People get depressed in winter, meaning people feel a lack of energy, a lack of motivation to do things and feel down and don't want to leave the bed. Now, if we look at it evolutionarily, that makes total sense. It's no wonder because there's nothing much to do in winter. The question is perhaps, should we consider it a disorder or is it just normal? Are those people perhaps even the ones that are more normal than the ones who don't feel it? Because when we look at the seasons, it's like in the regions that have a stronger difference between winter and summer. It's in winter, you don't really do much. In spring, life starts to emerge. You can start walking around, eat some leaves, but you don't really have fruit yet. You can, if you cultivate something, you can start cultivating in summer. Things get ripe, it's more work, maybe more collecting in fall than is enjoying what you've harvested and preparing for the winter, preparing the food to be stored for winter. And then in winter is not doing much, just being there, moving a little bit, turning on the fire, eating something that you conserved. So most of us nowadays don't live like that, which is also good. I think the seasonal cycle is still somewhere within us. And maybe we don't have to do it exactly like we did during the majority of our lifetime as humans, but we can honor it a little bit more. We say, okay, December, January, February, I will slow down a little bit. And then March, April, okay, now it's time for innovation, make things happen, start new things, have a new business idea. Summer is executing it and autumn, fall is reviewing it, seeing how it's going, still receiving some of the goods that came from it and then do it again. Yeah, for sure. Being able to honor that cycle is important. And you mentioned, are they more normal? Like when you talk about people with seasonal affective disorder, because disorders are all dependent on the society that you live in, right? So it's very social in terms of like psychotic disorders and things like that, because of the fact that it's all defined by the social surrounding and are you the crazy one or is everyone around you just crazy right so it's that like crazy argument there so what is your goals for the next six months for your business personally it's a great segue from what i just talked about so i'm not going to start anything very new now these months business is going well i want to do more of what i'm doing already I have space for a couple more clients. I want to solidify some things that I'm doing. I want to keep in contact with business opportunities that I have. For example, the cause Dare to Care. I partnered up with somebody and I think the official part of what he's doing with another partner of his is just taking so long, but I want to keep on top of it. And then... I think prepare already or have my feelers out there for next year and see what's going to happen because now knock on wood with the winter coming in the northern hemisphere there's not going to be too much COVID going on and, and restrictions going on i would really like to see more traveling next year more offline events next year yeah my, my first offline event it was this summer in july when i spent three weeks in porto that was great so something like that working with accelerators, giving workshops, and just more of the same, really. Good. When you've got a system that works, just kind of keep going and keep doing it. So that's great. And I'd like to ask as well, what are you currently learning right now? Yeah, I'm learning and relearning and reinforcing quality over quantity when it comes to relationships, especially. That's what I'm learning right now. And learning about, actually it connects to my first point, learning about dependence and interdependence in relationships on a very personal level. So noticing, okay, 
when I'm too dependent on another person, what I want to do is actually take initiative if possible or do together to get out of that and become a bit more independent, not disconnected, but independent to then be able to more intentionally and more from the heart choose each other's company rather than it's comfortable it's working okay let's do this no that's not how i want my relationships to look like i want it to be intentional and i want it to be from the heart so that's where i'm going that's good that's good i like that being really intentional with your actions which is really good and what is one takeaway that you can hope somebody who's listening to this interview what is one thing that you hope they take away from listening to this I think there's a great book. I actually have it here. It's called The Illusion of Separation by Jill Hutchins. And what he writes is that his opinion is that, or his conclusion of his analysis is that the problems we have today in society come because we perceive a separation that is actually an illusion. There is no separation. The separation he's talking about is mostly we humans being separated from the rest of nature, from the other animals. It's not true. So we are part of it. We're part of a giant web of interconnections and there are repercussions everywhere all the time. And if we tune into that, which means living also or paying attention also to outside of everything that we humans have created ourselves, meaning nature, the rest of nature, the rest of all the other animals if we tune into that and learn from and with that we can actually heal ourselves and contribute more positively to the development of there's often this very masculine feeling of but i want to be in control and i think as societies we have to see okay there's space and time for that but then also there's space and time to listen and absorb and see and be agile and go with the flow of the seasons for example and learn from and with yeah definitely and i think that's coming to play with so many different areas of this and of industry is just realizing how much we really need to understand how we can work with nature and the natural way of things versus just trying to control it and go and try to make it do what we want it to do and it's like realizing that when you start understanding the way things are supposed to be or used to be and the way things have grown in that way and you start using that to your advantage you can make such bigger progress than you ever could if you just try to control it and constrict it and make it do what you want it to do and just like in big one that comes up for me is like agriculture with yeah. the new movement for regenerative farming being able to look at like understanding the soil and understanding the relationship between the different crops that you have and being able to distribute into multi crop fields and being able to use that to your advantage it can has been completely transformational for the farming industry and will continue to just completely transform because instead of just bombarding the crops with different pesticides and herbicides and all this stuff that is just ended up to create even more problems than it fixed we're realizing that hey maybe if we diversify our fields a little bit maybe if we try to stop tilling the soil every single year maybe if we plant something in between in the off season so that all the dirt doesn't run away like we're learning all of these new things about just understanding how connected we are to the natural way of things and that we really just need to go back to that and understand how we can leverage those pieces of it to really go forward yeah i'm so passionate about that too we live in an area where i can walk 10 minutes and i'm in the middle of farms and they don't look good every time no. I, 
unlike them. So they're barren a large part of the year, and if not, there's a single crop growing there. It has to be irrigated because there's a lot of sun, there's some wind that's right at the coast. And what I've actually observed is that there is no lack of water. We live in a dry area, but there is no lack of water. They need to irrigate because they interfere with the way how it is naturally. Because I went on a street just a couple of kilometers from here on the right, orange groves. Every tree, a tree every three or four meters. They all need to be drip irrigated. At least it's drip irrigation, but it's still irrigation. They need at least two liters per day. And the monthly run average is minimum. And then I look on the other side of the road and it's bushes and shrubs and herbs, two meters high zero irrigation life is there life has a way to express itself here it's not the orange trees it's not them singled out without anything around it but there is life and there's more biodiversity there are more animals and it, it, it is possible we just have to live more aligned with nature and with the possibilities that we have in the context that we live in yeah definitely and realizing how important that is is a key thing and i think we're getting back there for a lot of different things it, it takes time of course just like anything but i think we're i think we're getting back there which is really good now just to finish up here with the last question if anybody wants to reach out to you learn more about your coaching business learn more about what you're doing with the accelerators and all sorts of other things how can i best reach out to you so there are basically two things it's my website to get to know a bit more about me and my coaching what i offer and the courses i do and then if it's more on an inspirational level every now and then come connect with me on linkedin read my content read the things i write and if you have anything to share if you have any questions and I'm happy to have quality interactions as I said before. Awesome. Yes, definitely. And what's your website for everybody listening here? So it's emerge to prosper.com. Perfect. Perfect. Awesome. Dream, thank you so much for joining us on this show. It's been really awesome having you on, talking all about this connection between nature and using those features of nature to understand business and applying them both ways. We had a great conversation, and I'm sure that everyone listening today definitely got a lot out of our conversation. So thank you so much for joining the show. And I hope to have you back on. Yeah, thank you too. Would be great. And if you enjoyed this interview with Dream and how to reconnect with nature and use nature's principles and apply them to business, then I invite you to check out his online courses linked in the description below. They are the perfect way for you to enhance your leadership skills and connect back to nature to provide you a way to reach your goals in 2023. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Green Business Impact Podcast. We hope you enjoyed hearing your weekly dose of climate positivity. In a world that constantly inundates you with the negative things happening, it can be great to take a break and hear some great things happening in the world. Make sure to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app to stay up to date with the latest and best interviews of the top minds in the green industries. And if you are interested in launching your own podcast to make an even larger impact on the world, then look no farther than the podcasting platform that I use here to launch every single episode of Green Business Impact, Podbean. I searched through all the different podcasting platforms out there and the best choice by far was Podbean. They give you truly the best value and all the resources you need to spread your message to the world by easily connecting you to all the different podcasting networks like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all of them. And they give you so many resources and opportunities to monetize it as well. 
So if you are on the fence about which podcasting platform to go with, make sure you check out the link in the description below to register your podcast with Podbean. Thanks again, and we can't wait to see you back here next time for another hit of Climate Positivity.